All right, welcome back, pool fans from across the country and around the world. You're listening to American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond, and I'll be your host once again this week. It is November the 19th, 2015, and this week's show is brought to you in part by Tweet and Fiber Company, makers of Master Chalk, Elk Master Tips, and a whole host of other accessories for your game made right here in the USA, don't you know? So, uh, what's going on in the pool world? Well, we're all kind of getting ready, ramped up for this Moscone Cup, don't you know? The, uh, the players are all actually kind of busy, so I probably won't be talking to anybody about that today. However, I have uh, talked to Jeremiah Gage earlier, and he's got a wonderful new learning product for you guys. Uh, part of the proceeds goes out to the Billiard Education Foundation, which is a great cause. So stick around. We'll be talking with uh, Mr. Gage a little bit later on in the show. But uh, first, I'm going to get to your headlines. Uh, if you haven't caught this already, Mr. Barry Berman, promoter of the U.S. Open Nine Ball Championship, has uh, made the announcement that he's going to retire. Well, isn't that interesting? You know, Barry's been doing this for 40 years. This was his 40th U.S. Open Nine Ball Championship. Um and if you guys have paid any attention to the way that the U.S. Open has gone for the last several years, you know just as well as I do that there's been some eh, less than desirable uh, hmm, side effects, shall we say. Some things have gone wrong. Some things have gone right. Barry has uh, made some various mistakes. And, and I guess I'm not trying to let him off the hook, but I am. I do want to share with you this one point, though. Um, Barry did this for 40 years by himself. Uh, it wasn't, you know, uh, as other people have pointed out, it's not a corporation. Um, it's not a council. It's not a backer, uh, a group of backers or whatever. It's Barry um, grinding it out year after year after year, losing money year after year after year, still sticking with it, even though people say bad things about him year after year after year. So, again, I'm not here to discount anything, any of the mistakes that he's ever made or anything that's ever gone wrong. I do want to give him the pat on the back and implore you to at least mentally give him a pat on the back for doing that for 40 years. Come on now. Uh, you know, some of you guys aren't even 40 years old yet. So, it's you have to put things in perspective, you know. So, again... Just a pat on the back for Barry for bringing us an important event in the pool world for that many years. Um, he probably does not get thanked all that often for it. So let's just hope that you know Pat Fleming from AccuStats or someone else that has some uh, some business sense takes takes the event and moves for, forward with it from here. That's what we want to see happen. We'd like to see it continue. So if it takes Barry retiring to make that happen, then by golly, let's do that. Let's make it happen. Let's keep the U.S. open, why don't we? And speaking of make it happen and Pat Fleming, Pat Fleming just made the announcement that the AccuStats make it happen match uh, for this year. The big one is, is, uh, has been determined. The players have been chosen on uh, December the 17th through the 20th 
there's going to be a 10-ball invitational out at the uh, AccuStats Arena in Joyzy, Sandcastle Billiards in, uh, in Joyzy. It's going to be Shane Van Boning, Daryl Appleton, Torsten Holm, and Earl the Strickland, Jason Shaw, and you, Sean Chang. I can't say that right, but everybody calls him Kevin. So Kevin Chang, also going to be there. He was this year's U.S. Open 9-ball champion. So this will be a 10-ball event worth looking into. Definitely a, a top-notch field right after the uh, Moscone Cup is over. These guys are going to get it on. So I would definitely check with AccuStats about that. I don't think you guys are going to want to miss it. That's going to be a great event. So we talked about Barry. We talked about AccuStats making it happen. You know what else? They, uh, the juniors just held their world nine ball. Got to send out some congratulations to the juniors. Uh, Poland, I believe, took the top title uh, for that, followed by the Philippines and China. So congratulations to those nations, respectively. Uh, hopefully the U.S., uh, kids can get up there and get us some trophies maybe next year. You know what I mean? you got to keep trying. we got to produce um, world-class players in some fashion or another, and this is the way that it's going to have to go down. So good luck to our, our, our juniors next time. You know, you guys keep coming back, keep trying. The uh, APA just had their world amateur championships too, as a matter of fact. Interestingly enough, I don't know if you guys uh, uh, read anything about this or not, but the APA had their U.S. Amateur Championships just a couple days ago. Well, it, it ended just a few days ago, and uh, this was down in uh, Palm Harbor in Florida. 2,400 players, roughly, entered this APA Amateur National Championship. 2,400 players. The gentleman that won the whole thing, Henry Brott. Henry Brott. This is his third title. He is 68 years old. And he just smoked the entire field of U.S. amateurs. He's 68. And he just won his third U.S. amateur championship. Hello, Henry. You're the man. <laughs> this guy's 68. Come on now. Uh, that's amazing. That's absolutely, absolutely amazing. Matter of fact, uh, I, I want to say he went th undefeated. I, I'm not. I may have misunderstood the stats, but I think that he might have gone undefeated through the entire field. So, definitely, congratulations to Henry for that. At 68 years old, man, I can only I can only hope that I am playing that well when I'm that old. <laughs> Let me just, I hope we all hope we're playing that well when we get that old. Uh, what else is going on? Um, yeah, you got a couple of different uh, your uh, smaller amateur tours and stuff that's going on. But other than that, we're looking at uh, the King's Cup is going on right now, so we have to wait for the results for that. And of course, the Moscone Cup coming up right around the corner. And uh, we're getting really stoked because according to the Accu, not the AccuStats, uh, the Fargo rate system, the United States team actually has a higher ranking according to the Fargo rating system than the European does, a uh, European team does. 
So by golly, we might actually pull this one out. You know, it'll be really great. That would be super duper duper if uh, we could finally catch up. You know, we're the, the Europeans are almost tied with our record for Moscone Cup wins, so we really need to, uh, you know, get back on the horse, as they say. So that's your headlines for this week. And uh, stay tuned. Obviously, next week we'll get back with you uh, with another one of the uh, some of the players from the Moscone Cup team. At this point, though, I think that uh, what I'd like to do is uh, share a little story with you. Uh, I made I made a promise to somebody that I would share this story, and and I didn't want to because I don't certain history makes people go to sleep. So I don't like to uh, share historical stories necessarily on the show because, you know, I, I don't want you guys to fall asleep on me. But but we had something cool happen, and uh, I promised somebody that I would share the story. So I'm going to eat up a couple minutes of your time here to share this with you. About four years ago, I uh, some of you know that I'm involved with uh, the Chicago Billiard Museum. And a couple of years back, this was actually four years ago in 2011, I was doing some research on the cue maker Herman Rambo. A lot of you have heard of Rambo. Uh, I went out to his, uh, I figured out where his grave site was and wanted to take a picture of his gravestone for the records, for our archives. And sure enough, as luck would have it, Herman Rams, uh, Rambo doesn't have a gravestone, or he didn't have a gravestone. Found his grave, but it was not marked. So uh, we thought, you know, that was kind of a shame that uh, such a uh, iconic person in the pool world uh, not, you know, have something there to recognize him. And so we decided to raise money and have a gravestone marker made for Mr. Rambo. And it was quite the process. We had to get the approval from the cemetery. The cemetery had to make an attempt to contact any known family members which they were not able to, so they gave us sort of a temporary permission to proceed with the understanding that if a family member ever came forward and asked us to move it or, or remove it, that we would have to do that. So um, we went ahead with it. We raised the money. We got a nice marker put down there for him, and we were very proud uh, that we were able to do that for him. Well, and then this is where the story gets good. Or it gets better. I mean, it was good enough that we were able to do that for him. But uh, so we got the, the marker installed. And about a year later, I got to thinking about it. And I wanted to know if there was any of Rambo's uh, relatives of his still alive. So perhaps we could talk to, you know, members of his family or something interesting like that, you know. And uh, so I got to digging around, looking uh, to see if there was a way to find out if Herman Rambo had any living relatives. And, um, excuse me one second. Mm-hmm. Ah, much better. So, got to looking into it, and it turns out that Herman Rambo um, only had one child. It was, He had a daughter. Turns out that... Uh, because Herman did not have any sons, that the Rambo name was going to come to an end right there. Um, his daughter obviously would have gotten married, and her name would have changed. 
So the rainbow name actually stopped at him because he did not have any male children. Found out that his daughter had gotten married, uh, had had a couple of kids, and then had gotten a divorce. So this made it very difficult to find to find out who the husband was and who the children were because of the divorce. She might have taken her original name back and not kept her married name. So long story, a lot of digging, a lot of research involved. I figured out that Herman Rambo's daughter married a gentleman by the last name of, last name of Prano, an Italian name, Prano. Did some looking on the internet, and I came across some Pranos in the area. And by golly, talk about blind luck. The first two numbers I called were both families that were related to Herman. The first one didn't answer, but the second one answered. And when I got the person on the phone, I explained that I was with the museum. I was doing this research and just trying to find living relatives of Herman Rambo. And the person I spoke to was very, very um, quiet. They were very reserved, very suspicious about what it is I was saying. So I made it very clear that I was not an insurance salesman or anything. and There was not any kind of scam. I was just doing the research. And she said, I know who you're talking about, um, and I will have somebody call you back. She didn't tell me anything else. She just said she was going to have somebody call me back. So, you know, I'm curious at this point is, you know, is she really related to him? Why was all, what's all with the suspicion and everything? You know, why was she so, so paranoid? So while I'm waiting for someone to call me back, I did a little more digging and come to find out that. When Al Capone died, some of the gentlemen that took over for him were their last name was Prano. And I thought, well, now there's a chance that those Pranos are related to the Pranos that married Rambo. So maybe she doesn't want to talk to anybody because she has mob ties or something, you know, like that. So I'm thinking all kinds of strange things as far as why they would not have wanted, why they wouldn't have wanted to talk to me about it. But as luck would have it, the next day I got a call back um, from a gentleman, and he said that his name is Albert Prano. And I'll save you another long piece of story. It turns out that Albert Prano is one of the sons of Herman Rambo's daughter. So the man that I have calling me on the phone is Herman Rambo's grandson, basically. And which was thrilling, absolutely thrilling that he called me back. It also turns out that um, when uh, Herman Rambo's daughter, her name was Loretta, when Loretta was after she had been married for a couple of years and had a couple of kids, they decided to get a divorce. And when they got a divorce, Loretta moved back in with her father with her kids. So Albert proceeded to tell me how he grew up with his mom in Herman Rambo's house. Like they physically lived with him for many, many, many years. And so the question naturally came up for me, well, was do you, do you know anything about the divorce? And uh, he was a little suspicious, but because he wanted to know why I was asking about the divorce. 
So I told him, you know, about the mob ties. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're same name, but not related. Um, so that part of the story goes away. There were no mob ties. It was just a funny twist on it. But uh, he proceeded to tell me that he grew up in, in Rambo's house. And so he was able to tell me all about his personality and what he did. And, you know, it was really, really neat getting to hear all this stuff about the family. And he said that when he was getting married, uh, his wife or his soon-to-be wife was asking him, you know, have you ever had your grandpa make you a cue before? And he said, you know, I really I never have. And she said, well, you probably ought to. You know, he's, he's getting a little older. So, um, in about, mm, geez, I forget the year now. He told me that he had Rambo make him a cue and sign it and stuff. And he still has it. So, he has the cue that his grandfather made him. And he was so very gracious um, that we contacted him. And he was very surprised that people actually still knew who Rambo was and that they actually still collected his stuff. And I was, you know, delighted to inform him that, yes, people very much still know who Rambo is and they still very much collect his cues. He has a lot to do with it. And so now I did I just had forgotten it slipped my mind that um, we had done this gravestone project already because that wasn't the reason I had called the gentleman. I just wanted to talk to a living family members, you know. So uh, I'm talking to Mr. Prano about Rambo and whatnot. And he said, you know, it, it's, it, he told me it amazes me that people still remember him and, and, and this and that. And then he said, you know, it's even stranger. Um, he said in the spring, we went and visited Chicago to visit our other family members and, uh, you know, say hi and that kind of thing. We do this once a year. Now, they actually stay out west, so they don't live in the Chicago area anymore. But they had come back to Chicago for a visit. And he said that when he was here for the visit, they stopped by the cemetery to pay their respects to Herman. And when they did, they came upon Herman's grave site. And lo and behold, there is a brand new shiny grave marker there. And he's said I turned to my wife and he, and he says I don't remember that being there do you and she said no I don't remember that being there and uh, so I had the privilege of telling Albert Prano that it was us that uh, decided to raise the money and put a marker there for him and he got really quiet on the phone and he got very emotional uh, well, let's say very emotional. He got a little emotional. Uh, and he told us that, that, you know, how important, how special that was to him. And that he, just, like I said, he just couldn't believe that anybody had, not only that they even remembered him, but they had taken the time to go out of their way to give recognition to somebody. So um, you want to talk about proud. You want to talk about it was all worth it. And, and, you know, it was all worth it. it. Every single bit of it. I would do it 10 times again for the same thing. If I could hear what I heard in that man's voice that day, he was beaming. He was absolutely beaming. He couldn't believe that we had done that for him. So I, I'm not telling you this to uh, to brag. That's not the point at all. Um, 
I'm bringing this up because history is important. Every, you know, no matter how insignificant a name that you read is on AZ Billiards or in the newspaper or wherever it else may be, or even when you drive past the cemetery and you see this hundreds of names, the reason why these things in history is important to us because those people, that was somebody's dad. That was somebody's mom. That was somebody's brother. And that was somebody's sister. That was somebody's mom. They're, they may not be important to you individually, but they are important to someone. So don't let any opportunity go by to give someone the recognition that they deserve. You know what I mean? It's just it's just a good good karma kind of message that I like to send out there. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate you guys being the audience and, and, and the wonderful fans that you are. Stick around. We're going to be right back with Jeremiah Gage right after this. All right, everybody, and we're back, and I'm talking to Mr. Uh, Jeremiah Gage, or Gage. <laughs> That's his gangster name, Gage. <laughs> talking That's to right. Mr. <laughs> Jeremiah Gage out in Denver about his uh, his new uh, training aid. Maybe that's a good way to put it. Um, how are you doing today, Jeremiah? I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. You know, fall is here, cold weather, and all that kind of yucky stuff, but other than that, we're good. I saw that. Yeah, we just had a storm blow through ourselves. Yeah, it's nice today. I saw that you guys were getting snow already. That's that's crazy. Whew. Yeah. I'll pass on that. So, tell our our, our spectacular fans out there about uh, your new. Um, I guess it's in the form of a game, isn't it? Uh, yes, by billiards is played as a game, and um, it's not entirely new it was released a year ago last november okay but it's primarily used for uh, getting better at cue ball control okay so you set up a shot the book has 200 shots in it and each shot is set up where you make the ball but also you have to land the cue ball on a target ah okay. and it's played as a game where you've got actually a couple different uh game plays that you can use and depending on how close you get to the target, you get more points for that. Right, right. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Now, what what decided what made you decide to want to do put something together like this? Well, a number of years ago, I was working on my own game, as I think we all have. Sure. And I bought a number of books, a number of training aids, and one of my friends gave me a copy of Target Pool. Uh, the Kim Davenport target pool. Mm -hmm. And I had seen the whole concepts before with, uh, you know, set up a shot, make it land in an area of the table. But target pool was a package, you know, it was a a kind of a system. It had a book and score sheets on its own. And I thought that was neat. My friends and I, we played that and I continued using that concept, although not necessarily the shots from the book, but in my own practice, I would, uh, you know, always try to control my cue ball. I mean, that's really, that's where most of the game is at. It's not just enough to make a ball. You've got to have positioning as well. Right. And then uh, shortly after that, I started teaching more, and I showed target pool to my students, 
and and they're like, oh, we want something like this. You know, they wanted that structure because they're still learning. And it turns out you couldn't really buy that particular thing anymore, and you couldn't buy anything that had a target or or anything like that. So right. I thought about it, and I asked a few people, did some research, and just kind of decided to, sure, why not? Why don't I create my own target game? And uh, I came up with the name Bullseye Billiards just kind of spontaneously, and that's really what kicked it off. And I worked on it for about seven months uh, last year in 2014, mm-hmm. and then I had my launch in November, mm. last November. Okay. Okay. Now, if I'm buying this, um, tell me about what 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 you said the the book. There's a the ebook that's with it. What else am I working with with your with your tools here? So the whole package is mostly the book, which contains 200 shots, mm-hmm. and then each shot is uh, diagrammed with the tip contact, your aim, your stroke speed, and the cue ball path in particular is very precise. So you know exactly what's going on at the table. So you have the book plus the targets that lay completely flat on the table. Mm-hmm. They won't interfere with the cue ball at all. And then there's some score sheets for the gameplay. And then it comes with the, um, I call them ball placement stickers, but they're really just um, reinforcement yeah, uh, the, stickers. The that, little rings, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, little rings. And you can put uh, the cue ball and the object ball on those to have the exact same shot every time mm-hmm. and okay. it also comes with a pin and um it comes with another little target that you can just carry around if you don't want to carry the whole thing sure sure okay so that's the um the main game package you can also just get the book separately if you want as a physical book or there's also the ebook on uh kindle uh itunes books and pdf okay all right and now let's see what's your what's what's the price point on this? How much are we talking about? So for the whole package, it retails at fifty nine dollars plus shipping. Okay. Um, and actually, for uh, American Billiard Radio, I've created a discount code code that you can use uh-huh. uh, for free shipping. Ah. So if you go to bullseyebilliards.net and use the discount code ABR, then you can get free shipping on. Uh, any product. Hey, look at that. Special deal just for our listeners. <laughs> Except for the ebook, you can't get free shipping on that. Yeah. Because you download it. Because you download it, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you should just tell them there's free shipping on the ebook too. Because <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't cost anything to ship, to email it to you. Um, or to download it, I should say. Um, let's see. Now, is there, is this geared towards you know, beginners, middle of the road, or anybody? It is geared more towards beginners, not necessarily absolute beginners, because those you'd want to focus more on your fundamentals. Sure. But once you kind of have some decent fundamentals and you can start getting your aim down and kind of uh, shooting with some spin, then the magic happens. So it's more towards the beginner intermediate level. Mm-hmm. The advanced players, I mean, they're they're going to know all, most of these shots already, sure. so they're going to be focusing more on strategy and mental game type things. Right, 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 right. Well, although I have to say, ball placement, you know, play it's all about placement. I mean, I don't know where you guys grew up, but that was one of the first uh, 
solid lessons and pull that I ever was taught or ever learned or how I, I learned it by watching other professionals play. But that was one of the first epiphanies that I had was, wow, you know why these guys are so good? Because when they make the shot, they send the ball right to where they want it to be for the next shot. Never occurred to me as a kid growing up that that was so important. So this is one of those things, a tool that would help you put the ball where you want it to be when your shot is over with. I think that's pretty pretty valuable stuff, Dan. Absolutely. It lets you string shots together. Right. And so when you start stringing shots together and positioning for the next shot to get to the next shot, exactly. then you start seeing uh, higher runs yeah. and you're starting to actually be able to run out at some point. Exactly. 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 And that's, like I said, that's a valuable lesson. And it, that's important to be able to do. Just, to, just as much as your uh, fundamentals are uh, to making regular shots, the next fundamental is where you put the ball after the shot's over. <laughs> you know, that's uh, yeah. that's gigantic. So that's a, it's a good thing. It sounds like an interesting program. Uh, what else can I ask you about it? Let's see. Well, it recently got approved by the B- the Billiard That's Congress of right. America. That's right. You got as the- it got the seal of approval for a training aid from the Billiard Congress of America. That's right. I noticed that. They actually sent me an email about it. And just for the listeners that don't know, um, the BCA has a thing set up where if you have a learning uh, tool or aid or lesson or what have you, uh, you can submit it to the BCA who in turn turns it over to the, the uh, professional billiard instructors. And they have five uh, certified instructors test your object or your product out and review it to see if it works and see if it's effective and what have you. And then if they all unanimously agree that it is what you portray it to be, they give you the uh, seal of approval. So good for you. Congratulations that they actually took a good long look at it and tried it and they approved it. So that's good. That means that yeah, it, hopefully that means it's not, you know, a bunch of puppycock. <laughs> <So. laughs> no, they gave me some excellent feedback. Good. Uh, I'm actually amazed about how they um, they went about it and used it uh, extensively mm-hmm. to make sure that it actually does provide the value that it claims. Right, right, right. And, you know, I, I was a little, I have to admit, and it's not just me, there are many people out there that are a little skeptical of the BCA. So when I read about the seal of approval thing, I was a little, I was a little taken. I thought, well, you know, how are they, how are they going to approve? How are they going to know? But then I read more about how what they actually do to test it and the people they turn it over to and stuff. And actually, that's a really valuable thing because, as you know, there are some people out there that will sell you anything. You know, there are snake oil salesmen out there. So it's a good thing to have legitimate instructors look over this stuff first and to know that they actually gave it some serious consideration and that they approved it. I, if that's a... To the to the person that doesn't know one good product from a next, that's a good recommendation coming from professional instructors. So uh, you have yeah, that you got that going for you there. Um, let's see. You going to tell us anything about your uh, leagues or anything else in uh, your part of the country that's important to know? Well, I moved to Denver about a year ago from Albuquerque, and I started the uh, American Rotation chapter in Denver. Mm, okay. So we've been doing that. We've been playing that. That's um, a league 
started by Joe Tucker. Yes. And it's uh, essentially promoted as a semi-pro, pro league that feeds into a national tournament um, three times a year. Right. 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 Yeah, I like Joe Tucker's league system. That's He figured out a lot of the problems, and the game is good. I, I have a lot of respect for that. And unfortunately, it's not as big, you know, obviously as the APA or something. But, uh, you know, maybe one day. Maybe people will start, yeah, you know, seeing the benefits of it. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's know. a lot of people that want to play it to just get good competition. And there's right. no handicaps. Right. The game is great. The American Rotation game itself yeah. is really uh, it's well thought out. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. Okay. Well, cool. I don't want to uh, take up too much of your time there. So is there anything else you'd like to share with us? Um, I think that's uh, pretty much it. Okay. So if um, the listeners I mean, I, want more information, yeah. where should they go? Yeah, so you can go to bullseyebilliards.net. Bullseyebilliards.net. There you go. And don't forget and your on, ABR code, okay. too. <laughs> Yeah, go to, go to uh, bullseyebilliards.net. I'm on uh, YouTube. I have a weekly, uh, you know, one to every one to two weeks, I have a video. You can subscribe to my email list and get some free instruction that way. And I'm also on Twitter, Facebook, and Google. Okay, there you go. So. No shortage of the gauge on the internet. All right. That's I'm good. everywhere. He's everywhere. He's like Santa Claus. He's everywhere. And he, and he knows what you're thinking. All right. Well, thanks a lot, sir. I do appreciate you taking the time to, to share that with us. And congratulations on your uh, on your BCA approval. And uh, and good luck. Yes, thank you, Mr. Vaughn, for having me. Yep, not a problem, sir. And uh, we will talk to you all again next week here on American Billiard Radio.